Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. So I just feel like right now before we move forward, uh, just, to, just to sort of declare some truth, and, and we're going to move into that. And so um, we, need, we need to have the truth in our hearts, despite the facts. We sing that he's faithful. He's faithful. And the facts may say otherwise currently. There may be facts that are true, they're real, that, that say otherwise that he's faithful, but the truth is he's faithful, okay? And so uh, I, just, I just get the sense that we need to sort of just lean into that right now for just a minute. So the facts may be uh, that you're experiencing lack, not enough money, not enough resources, not enough time. The truth is that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. He wouldn't give himself a false name. He named himself. He is the provider. That's the truth. The facts may be that you're sick, but he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the healer. It's in his name. So I just got this sense before we move, move on, we're, we gotta, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, here's the deal. Can, can, can we stand? Can everybody stand? We're going we're gonna to invite the God of truth to just come in and, and just begin to minister to us right now, really quick. So Lord, we just, uh, we repent of bringing our facts to your truth. We repent of, of relying on your, uh, on our facts uh, instead of leaning into your truth. And so Lord, we just receive your truth that is true, that it is, uh, it is more real than the facts that we see around us. It is more real than the circumstances that we see around us. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here, the God of truth, the spirit of truth, that you come and you flood this place, that you begin to inhabit this place, that you begin to move in this place. And so right now, I just think that if you're, um, if you're experiencing pain or sickness, uh, or if there's disease, anything like that, I believe the Lord is here to bring healing and so we're going to take two seconds. So if, if, if anyone's sick, pain, healing, you can raise your hand. We're going to stay where we are. We're going, to, we're going to look around. If you see someone that's in pain or in sickness and you feel comfortable, you can keep your hands up. We're just going to pray for them. And so, Lord, we just, we just welcome, we say that you're the healer. We welcome your healing presence. And so we just right now speak healing over these people that are sick, that aren't well. Lord, would you come with your healing? And we command uh, all of the sickness to go in the name of Jesus, all of the pain to go in the name of Jesus, and we command all of the uh, ailments to come into kingdom alignment. Lord, there's no sickness in heaven, and so we, we ask that you pour heaven here on earth and begin to bring your healing presence. Now, if... Um, we're going to move into lack. So if you're, if you're facing a situation uh, presently 
that is uh, financially, it is daunting. You're, you're behind, uh, you are out of resources, you, are, um, you need help financially. Could you raise your hand? And this is just, you're, just, you're facing a situation that's just like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this, I don't know how I'm gonna get out of that, I don't know what I'm gonna do uh, to do this, okay? Those are the facts. So the truth is that he's the provider. So if you could look around, keep your hands up. Now we're gonna pray for these people. So if you're around them. So we've got, if you see anyone with your hands up, could you go for him and pray for him? There we go. Lord, we thank you that you are the provider, that provision is in your name, it's who you are. And so Lord, we just repent for believing the facts that there is not enough, and we receive the truth that it is you who provide that you have the resources that are needed and that in your command to go into the places that you've sent us are all the provision necessary. And we receive that right now. And so we just loose provision over these circumstances in Jesus' name. And we just receive divine provision in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. Amen. It's so good to see everybody on a rainy Sunday. I feel like we've had a lot of rainy Sundays here recently, but it's, it's awesome. And Grant is right. It is really cool to be up here with this big organ right behind me and then hear this awesome thunder happening. It's pretty gothic. It's pretty awesome. So I am Sarah Pemberton. I'm married to Grant Pemberton, who was just up here, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. It has been a year and a half since I last spoke up here. It's been way too long. And I'm really excited to be kind of back at it. You know, there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening here the past couple weeks. And Grant and I are overwhelmed and a little numb by the presence of the Lord. We're just, we don't know what's happening, but man, are we excited to be a part of it. And every week it seems like he's giving us another little piece of his plan. And he's showing us just a little glimpse. And it just makes us so much more hungry for what he's got to come. It is super exciting to be here and to be a part of Nashville Vineyard, to be in Nashville. The Lord is getting ready to do something in Nashville. You know, it's funny, this has nothing to do with my message, but I was walking down the hall during um, Holy, 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 which by the way, that song, and I was going to the restroom and all of a sudden I heard, there's a rain a coming. It's literally how it sounded and I thought, that's really odd. And then it realized, that's not me. I just heard the Lord. There is a rain a-coming to Nashville. And it's going to be powerful and it's going to be awesome. And I just, I'm excited that we get to see it. We get to be a part of it. We just get to experience his glory here in Nashville. So... We are going to continue with our James series. If you want to open your Bibles to James 5, 13 through 18, we're going to go ahead and read the text. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for the rain. Father, I thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen, and that you are faithful to us, Lord even when we are faithless. Father, I thank you that you complete everything you start and that we just have to open our hands and say whatever you want. We're yours. We are changed in your pocket. You can spend us as you want. So, Lord, we ask that you would come this morning and move in power. Would you come and have your way here in this place, Lord? I ask just for an outpouring of your spirit in this building right now in Jesus' name. Would you come and set our hearts on fire? Would you make our hearts moldable? Would you open our ears to hear your words and our eyes to see what's real? In Jesus' name. And Lord, would you place your hand over my mouth that I would not say one more word or less than you would have me say? In Jesus' name. Amen. I really feel him this morning, so here we go. So I'm going to start off with a, a little story about my husband, Grant. When Grant and I first started dating, he, he put off this persona that he was a bad boy. I thought he was a bad boy, but turns out he was not a bad boy at all. And uh, the first time he brought me back to his parents' place, he, we had to stop off at a widow's home. And when we walked in, they were having a cake auction to raise money for the orphanage that his mother worked at. And we walked in, and every widow came and grabbed him and gave him a hug. And I sat there with my mouth, like my jaw on the floor, going, who is this guy? Because he did not <laughs> show that to me. And I was pretty surprised by it. But his father, he has this business where he helps put on youth conferences all over the United States. We're talking, you know, 8,000 to 15,000 kids come to these arenas. And, and Grant just grew up being around this environment. His his dad would put these things on. He would help. He'd cut the checks. He was a finances guy. And Grant basically got to go and wander all around the arena. And because everybody knew, oh, that's Rick Pemberton's son. If anybody stopped him, he'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm Rick Pemberton's son. And, and he'd be able to go do whatever he wanted. He'd go to the green room. He would, one time he got to play saxophone with the Insiders. How many of you guys remember the Insiders band? Yeah, pretty big deal. So... When I came on the scene, I remember he brought me there. and It's a big family thing. His whole family comes together. And he brought me to this place. And I remember we walked up to the arena and we skipped the line. And I, I don't know if you guys know the Enneagram. I'm a one. I'm a rule follower. And he skipped the line. And my first thought is, what are you doing? We're going to get in trouble. Because there's cops and stuff. And I was like, we're going to get in trouble. And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. So we go. And he's like, I'm, I'm Rick Pemberton's son. And uh, we got in. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And then we had a secret elevator. I was, I was sweating bullets by this time. And he takes me down. He's like, let's go to the green room. I was like, there's a green room? I had never been in a green room before. There were so many different kinds of nuts. I remember I walked in and I was like, look at these. I can just eat these pecans. I can eat these walnuts. Like, I was so happy. And then I got the little cups of water and tried every kind of water they had. Because this is a green room. I've never been in a green room before. So it was a lot of fun. It was really eye-opening. And then we got to sit in the box seats to watch the whole conference. And it was really, really awesome. But he gets to do this every year. We ended up getting married. And he went to go work for his dad for a little bit as he went to grad school. And 
things started to change. We started to go to the arena and it was no longer, I'm Rick Pemberton's son. It started to become more, I'm Grant Pemberton. Because he started to build trust with the organization because he was handling the phones. He was helping his father. So it slowly started to change where he never would wear the lanyard. And I'd be like, you need to put on your lanyard. Because we're going to get thrown out. He'd be like, you don't need to read my lanyard. I would keep my lanyard on and hold his in my pocket. I was so nervous. But people knew him. Things had changed from Rick Pemberton's son to Grant Pemberton. Before, when he was Rick Pemberton's son, it was a positional kind of authority. His father was the one in authority. And they knew Grant was Rick's son. But then as he built relationship with the organization and went to go work with them, it shifted to more of a relational authority, and Grant was able to go places just because he was Grant. Today I'm going to talk to you about authority. There are two different types of authority, okay? There is positional authority and relational authority. Positional authority is just your status, it's your title, it just is what is. When I went to work as a teacher in Sevier County, my classroom was my domain, and I was in charge. That was, I had the authority of my classroom, okay? It's just what is. I was a teacher in Sevier County. Relational authority takes time. It takes relationship. The second year as a teacher, because I had built relationship with the school system, I was not only had authority in my classroom, but then I started dabbling in curriculum for the whole school. I started dabbling in other things, such as Girls on the Run, and I had authority in different places, but that came through trust, and that came through time, that came through relationship. So there's these two different types of authority. As Christians, when you ask Jesus to come and be Lord of your life, Savior of your soul, and you invite the Holy Spirit to come in, you automatically have an authority. Automatically, it's called positional authority. You are a son or a daughter of God. So I just want to read this through real quick. It's in Galatians 3.26. I'm going to skip around a lot today. I love putting lots of scripture in. So I did my best to provide stuff, but I'll try and call out what I got. Galatians 3.26. You have all become true children of God by the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one, and now you are covered and clothed in his anointing. Skip down to 29. And since you've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherited all the promises of the kingdom realm. Go down to 4.6. And so that we may know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. You're a son or a daughter of God. You automatically have authority. It's called positional authority. I'm going to speak to you today about relational authority. It's something that comes by walking with the one that is in charge. Relational authority is built with, in time and, and getting to know somebody. The amount of authority you carry is directly related to your position to the one in charge. If you're close to that person, you're going to have a lot of authority. If you're far away from that person, you don't know them very well, they're not going to give you a lot of authority. Adam 
he would walk with God in the garden daily in the cool of the day, and he would name the animals. He had a lot of authority because he was walking closely to God. The moment he sinned, though, he lost that authority. He was no longer walking with God. He had lost that authority. Our amount of authority that we carry is directly related to our position. Where are we with Jesus? You know, some of us wonder, we pray and we feel like sometimes our prayers are just empty or we feel like we're dealing with the same sins over and over and over again or we're going around the same mountain over and over and over again. Part of me wonders, does it have to do with where are we positioned with our Savior? Where are we? So the closer you are to the Lord, the more authority you're going to have. James goes on, he starts to talk about one of my favorite people in the Bible, Elijah. And Elijah had a lot of authority. He had a lot of positional authority. He had a lot of relational authority. Um, he saw some amazing things. In fact, he walked so closely with the Lord that the Lord sent his own fiery chariot to pick him up and take him right to heaven. He didn't even die. So he's still alive today, which is awesome. But he just walked with this great authority. And you know what? James says Elijah was a man just like us. That means Elijah was like us. He probably smelled. He, um, you know, he had to go to the restroom like us. He um, probably dealt with uh, worry. In fact, if you read through 1 Kings 17, 18, he does start to, like, voice his fear of being chased after. And some people say he battled depression. Um, he just, he dealt with stuff. He was a man just like us. And yet this man that is just like us, he got to see some amazing stuff happen. He would hold out his hand and a raven would bring a Big Mac and lay it in his hand. The Lord fed him through birds. That's pretty crazy. Okay, he got to raise a young boy from the dead. He got to see jugs that were supposed to be filled with oil never run dry as they used them until the rain came back. He got to run faster than any human being or animal on the planet because he outran a chariot. He got to see fire fall from heaven and completely consume a drenched sacrifice in front of a ton of prophets of Baal who had been crying out forever for their God to show up and do something. He got to see some amazing things, but he is just like us. What's the difference? He's just like us. How many of you guys would like to pray with that kind of authority? How many of you guys would like to say something and it happen? How many of you guys would like to walk outside in your shadow, fall on somebody walking on the street and they get healed immediately? It happened to Peter. Our authority is linked to our proximity and our proximity is linked to our obedience. You want more authority. You have to be close to the one in charge. And if you want to be close to the one in charge, you have to obey him. And James says in 5.16, he says, you know, the prayers of a righteous man are strong and effective. They carry power. They're weighty. Righteous man actually means somebody who's standing right, somebody who has conformed their feelings, their actions, their emotions, everything to the will of God. It takes obedience. When, when you're obeying the Lord, you're walking in relationship with the Lord, and when you're walking in relationship with the Lord, your authority is growing.
So let's take James' example of Elijah and let's turn to 1 Kings 17. I just wanna show you something real quick. Back in the day when people would say that, you'd hear like pages rustling and all that good stuff. I kind of miss those days a little bit. It's pretty quiet. So our spiritual authority is actually linked to what I would call a crescendo of obedience. I'm really into music, so that's kind of how I look at it. A crescendo of obedience, meaning the Lord will give you a small task, and he'll say, would you do this? And you have a choice, yes or no. Be obedient, not be obedient. If you're a good steward and you say, yes, sir, and you do that, the next thing is going to be a little bit bigger. You do that. All right, let's keep going. Because there is an aspect of building the relationship, building trust, but he's also giving you more responsibility as you are obedient. I would like to call that a crescendo of obedience. And we get to see that here with Elijah. So let's start right here, 1 Kings 17, 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. So no rain, no dew. There's a famine in the land, and God says, hey, Elijah, go here. I'm going to feed you. Elijah had a choice. He decided, yes, I will obey. That is his first act of obedience with the Lord. Let's skip down to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Second act of obedience. He says, okay, the river's drying up. There is a famine going on. I want you to go and there's a widow over here that is going to give you something to eat. This widow had one son and they were planning on taking the remainder of their food planning an amazing meal, and then dying because they had nothing left. And so now God is asking Elijah to not just go over there and get food, but now there's a third party involved. The responsibility is growing. His faith is having to grow. He's having to trust the Lord even more. So he goes, and he meets this widow, and she does supply the food for him. Let's skip down to chapter 18.1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Third act of obedience. It's in the year three of no rain, and he's going to go stand in front of the very king that wants to kill him. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of faith. That takes a lot of guts. So as you can see, this crescendo of responsibility is growing And see, as God puts more responsibility on him, he's also providing more and more for him. And because Elijah was obedient, he got to see ravens feed him. He got to raise a kid from the dead. He got to um, see fire come down from heaven. He got to see all of this stuff, but it it came because he was walking with the Lord through obedience and his authority was increasing. When you walk with Jesus... Crazy things happen, and it's the most exciting way to live. There's no way to live around it. Life is very boring outside of living with Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that right now. See, Jesus is looking for obedience. He's looking for true obedience in his followers. And obedience starts in the heart. 
True obedience is complete submission. It's not just an act. When Grant and I, we had Jackson for four and a half years before we had our son, Caleb. And it was a very, very special time. Jack is such an awesome kid. And we thought we were the best parents in the world. We did. We would go to the grocery store and Jack would be like, I don't want that, mom. And he would start crying and Grant would go, dry it up. And he would go, just stop. No fight, nothing. In fact, we were at a friend's house and all these kids and Jack went off and ran into the tree line and we couldn't see them. And the other parents came out and they're like, Henry or Sophia, whatever. They're calling their kids and Grant comes out and goes, and Jack goes, yes, daddy. And he just starts running, running full force to the deck. He was like, my daddy called, I am coming. Jack is just so sweet and just, just, he's awesome. And then we had Caleb. And we realized that we really do not know what we're doing. <laughs> Caleb is a wonderful little boy. He is smart, he is funny, but he literally is Caleb. He literally is Caleb from the Bible. He could probably take a city. Like, I'm not kidding. This kid is unbelievable. And he knows what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. So we, we learned that, no, we really were not amazing parents. We just, we were having to learn how to parent is actually what was happening. And the difference between them is pretty interesting. Jack, we'll tell him to do something. He's like, okay, not a big deal. Because he knows, like, I mean, you're my, you're my mom and you're my dad. Caleb, I'm like, hey, Caleb, can you grab his shoes? You know, I don't really want to do that right now. Caleb, grab your shoes. Well, you know, mommy, just, Caleb, grab your shoes. Mommy, but just listen to me. No, Caleb, grab, this is what it goes all the time. And it usually has to end in some kind of disciplinary action. And then finally, with his jaw sticking out two feet, red in the face, he grabs his shoes. It's a big difference between kids. And I think one thing about obedience that we need to learn about today is that outward obedience is an action. But inward obedience is submission. And most of the times, a lot of us do things because we're afraid of the Lord. We do things because we feel like we should do it in order to gain something. What the Lord is really looking for is a friend. Somebody whose heart is completely submitted. Because when the heart is completely submitted, then you're really walking with your friend. And you understand that he only has the best for you. And your authority will grow. So a couple, a couple months ago, I, I would wake up in the morning and like a verse would be scrolling in my head. It's the best way to tell you what the, was happening. It was like a little verse. And the verse was Philippians 4, 8. And it was, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. This verse was like, it would be, I'd get out of bed, it would be right here, just scrolling. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I would move on with my day. I put a pin in it. And then it kept happening, like every couple days it kept happening. And I knew in my spirit the Lord was getting my attention. I knew he was trying to get my attention about something. And I had a feeling it was a little bit of an invitation but because my life is super busy, and I guess he wasn't number one priority, I kind of just moved on and just said, oh, that's, that's awesome, cool. And then we went to the beach as a family, 
and I was having a little bit of a, a, an anxious day, and Grant and I were talking, and I was feeling kind of low, and he says, you know, Sarah, you're really sensitive. Have you ever thought that maybe, you know, you need to be extremely careful with your senses? Like, you need to guard your senses a little bit more? And I went, it was like a foghorn went off in my head. I was like, yes, I know, I know. And I told him what I had been seeing. And, and so finally, because, you know, I guess he said something, I went on this long walk. I walked a lot that week. And I was like, okay, Lord, you obviously are inviting me into something. And I really want it. So I tell you what, I'll give you a month. This is how I kind of talk with the Lord. I'll give you a month. Let's try an experiment together. And, you know, it's not that I was in sin or doing anything bad. I'm very careful about what we bring into our home. But it was an invitation that I wasn't going to be able to have that stuff with me as I go to where he's wanting me to go. It was almost like he was saying, listen, the, where I'm taking you, you need to cut some more out if you want it. And so I said, okay. And so since then, I, I've cut a lot out of my life. Not bad things, but I have noticed a couple things about me. My anxiety has gone down. I've noticed my dream life has wake, woken up again. And I've also noticed I'm able to hear him a lot clearer, like walking in that hallway. And it's a beautiful thing. He was asking me to be obedient so that we could walk in relationship and I can gain something that he's wanting to give me. And one thing I learned too, delayed obedience is still disobedience. I also learned that when you ignore the unction of the Lord, that is disobedience. We need to pay attention. I love this guy named Larry Randolph. He's this prophetic teacher. He's got a church way south, Franklin, way south, some other city. And the quote is, God is required to fulfill his promises, but he's not required to fulfill our potential. The Lord has things for us, but he's waiting for us to say, okay, yeah, I want that. He's waiting for us to pick it up and walk with him. And I got to tell you, as a church, Grant and I, we are done. We are sold out. We are like, we're going to do what he wants us to do. We're going to go where he wants us to go. We're going to be obedient because you know what? It is so much better on the other side of obedience. God is a good God. And he's always going to provide for you wherever you go, no matter what. And also, when he tells you to do something, he's going to make sure he's with you every step of the way. There's stuff that is happening, the Lord has told us some things that are gonna happen with our church, and we want to join in with him and see those things come to fruition. We wanna see Nashville saved. We wanna see cancers fall off on the ground. We wanna see blind eyes open and the dead raised here. In fact, Grant, this is pretty funny, Grant has taught our sons that when we drive into the city of Nashville and we see the Batman building, we roll down the windows and we scream, bring out your dead. <laughs> they love it. Yes, it's a little morbid, but also we're basically, <laughs> we're basically saying, bring them out. We are here and we're ready to do business. The kingdom of God is here in Nashville. So bring out your dead. And that's how we need to walk. When we leave this building and you go anywhere in this city, 
bring out your dead. I'm going to read one more scripture to you guys. I just cannot preach and not read what Jesus says. So if you would look, turn to Luke 10, 17 through 21. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. This is your positional authority. You are a child of God. Nothing can harm you as you walk in this authority. Let's keep reading. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy, exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you have shared it with these who humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart and the very way you've chosen to extend your kingdom to give to those who become like trusting children. This is relational authority. Those that humble themselves and become like trusting children who obey their father and walk in relationship with them, that's where our source of joy is. That's where true authority comes from is walking with Jesus. And it comes through being obedient to him with every little task, big or small, walking with Jesus and keeping our hands open to receive whatever he has for us to do. There's no life apart, of, apart from it. Bill Johnson has this quote about, I'm going to read it to you. It's one of my favorite quotes. But he says, it says in John, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. If in the natural I have a dove sitting on my shoulder and I want to go about my life without it ever flying away, how am I going to live? Every step would be with the dove in mind. It's time to stop fooling around. I heard the Lord say that to me, and my first reaction was like, wowza. Like, that's pretty rough. But I really did hear him. It's time to stop. The rain is coming. He is looking for those that will carry the authority that he has ready for you to pick up and to take care of business. There are lost people dying out there that are needing us to be the church of Christ. We have to choose to obey. We have to walk with him. Todd, if you'll come. I'm just going to pray real quick. Is that okay? Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come? You're already here, Lord. I ask that you would just start to place hands on people's hearts. 
you know, some of you have been told by the Lord to do certain things or to give certain things over. And it's, it's uncomfortable or different and you've been kind of wrestling with it. And I feel like the Lord is saying, I have got something better for you. This is an invitation to come up higher. Do you want it? In fact, this picture Jordan has on his phone or used to have on his phone was in my head when I saw this. And it was a picture of this little kid holding this blue teddy bear. And the Lord was standing right in front of him saying, give me the teddy bear. And what the little kid didn't know is that there was a massive teddy bear behind his back. He had so much more for him if he would just release what it was. And so I want to, I just, I want to say today, for those of you that are feeling that unction in your heart that the Lord has something for you, he really does. And the moment you make that decision to be obedient and to walk with him, color is going to come into your life. The miraculous is going to happen all around you. And you're never going to want to go back. Every time I moved as a kid or as an adult, it was very difficult to move. But let me tell you what, I would never go back. Because I've seen where I am, it's so much better. So much better. And that's how it is in the kingdom. He wants us to walk with him. Jesus said, if you love me, you would obey me. And Jesus, we really love you. Help us to be obedient. Help us to walk in the fullness that you paid for. Jesus also said, I have no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Servants obey a master whether they agree or not. But friends walk and they understand the heart. They understand where we're going. They know what's happening. Jesus is inviting us into that. He's inviting us into this time where we will understand his ways. And it's so awesome. He's calling us friends. So as Todd plays this next song, let's just, let's just open our hearts to him and say, Father, where in our hearts are you asking us to consecrate, to give to you, Lord? Because, Father, we want the more of the kingdom. We want more of your presence. We want to be carriers of the presence of God. So, Lord, we just, we just say, Father, if there's something, Lord, that is keeping us from walking in the fullness that you have for us, we lay it down right now in Jesus' name. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be obedient. Because we want to be obedient. We want to be your friend. We want to know your heart. We want to understand your ways, Lord. So just invite him to come. Just to search your heart, to know your thoughts. To see where there's a place, if any, that the Lord is saying, hey, that. Just let's put that aside for a bit. Surrender to me. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.